Welcome to Still Scared Talking Children's Horror, a podcast about creepy, spooky and disturbing children's books, films and TV. I'm Ren Wednesday, my co-host is Adam Wybray. Today we're talking about the book Moondial by Helen Craswell. A full transcript of this episode will be available, so check the show notes for that. Enjoy! I can hear you rubbing your hands together. Are you cold? <laughs> um, no, I just, um, I'm making some honey fermented cranberries and I touched, I picked up the jar to give them a little skoozle around and um, there was honey on, on the jar because ah. they've been fermenting and expanding outwards. So, um, so I have honey on my hands and that's why I'm rubbing them together. Well, well firstly, I love the fact that you said skoozle. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, and secondly, you're you're quite into your fermentation, aren't you? Um, yeah, this seems to be this is at least the second time I've mentioned it on the podcast. So, it seems um, to be what you're doing with your thirties is fermenting things. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I've got into kombucha and kefir and um, sauerkraut when I can be bothered, but I don't. I don't know, grating a whole cabbage is is a hassle, to be honest. I, but, I, I um, think I'd happily grate a cabbage patch kid. <laughs> <laughs> I think that'd be quite satisfying. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you make sauerkraut from from cabbage patch kids. You just you just need a cabbage patch kid, salt, um filtered water, a jar, um and then just leave it for um a week or two and um yes so, so yeah. listeners if if you do that please send in your photos <laughs> um, <gosh>. <laughs> <laughs> i need to think what you create from a fermenting a cabbage patch kid uh, a taste experience <laughs> um uh, yeah are you ready to talk about moondial uh, I am ready to talk about Moondial, but I don't know how, because this is quite a strange impressionistic book from way back in 1987, the year of my it, birth. Ah, oh, yeah, it is. It's, yeah, it's um, by Helen Creswell. Creswell? Creswell? Um, uh, I mean, I, 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 I should use Cress. Well, but that's just because I like Cress. <laughs> yeah. And I, I like to imagine well. that the Cress is well. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't we all? Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, written in 1987, but does have... Uh, I mean, it does have some specifically 1987 references, but it also sort of feels quite timeless as well. Um, aside from the, uh, the uh, references to... Uh, cassette players and and thing and digital watches but um but yeah yeah helen cresswell who according to wikipedia wrote over 100 children's books frickin heck yeah um which um yeah i mean i i've spent the last three months working on a single thousand word short story so um i'm wildly impressed and very intimidated by that feat yeah, no, that's that's remarkable, um, <laughs> and I, I, I assume that most of them are not of kind of spot the dog kind of brevity. <laughs> yeah, no, I think they. Um, I don't think so. I, I think maybe some of them are pitch, maybe some of them are picture books, but I think most of them are you know books with with a certain number of words in them, um, and I mean judging by Moondial, they're it's not like they're just like dashed off either. Like this is a very well written book. Oh yeah, <laughs> M- M- Moondial 
it's quite a literary work yeah i'd say um like if i was to describe this book succinctly i would say impressionistic mm. um yeah it's it's a book of tones and atmosphere and uh strange in betweeny feelings and places mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah um so yeah it was uh published in 1987 and then apparently popular enough to be made into a D bbc tv series the following year um, which, which is, which is remarkable because it's, uh, it's not that easy a read yeah yeah um it is i i was i yeah i, I was a bit surprised um like, it's very good but it's not I don't know. I guess it, I guess it's it, it, the the visual aspect of it that it's that it's so atmospheric that you can you can imagine it being you can imagine the visuals of 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 the TV series and the 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 moon dial looking very good in the mist and that sort of thing. But, I mean, I don't know about yours, but my edition was published in association with the National Trust. All right. The picture is, I think, a still from the television program. So I don't know if this is a reprint. Um, so it's got uh, the three, uh, the three characters, um, or three child characters. Sorry, um, so staring out um, at the reader with uh, quite hard to place expressions. Actually, um, the boy we'll know as Tom um, looks um, slightly. Um, I mean, he does look consumptive. To be fair. Which is the right look for him, I guess. Um, yeah, uh, Minty uh, has her head so cocked one side and looks like she's kind of questioning the reader. Um, mm. And then there's the other little girl um, who, uh, what's her name? The, uh, the Sarah. Little, Sarah. Yeah, and, and Sarah looks um, concerned, basically. Um, mm. And they're, they're posed around the moon dial itself. Hmm. Mm. Um, what What about your cover? Um, I have a, a quite a lovely illustration by um, Julia Sada. Um, that's it's of the moon dial. Um, with um the man and the boy, with both both winged, sort of holding holding the moon dial, and uh, they both have some sort of hollow dark eyes and mournful expressions. Um, and behind them is a graveyard with. Uh, ghosts with similarly hollow eyes um, poking our heads up from behind the gravestones and then there's a, a silhouette of a cloaked figure standing in front of the moon dial. Um, uh, so it sounds like your cover really sort of focuses on the horror aspects of the book. It does, yeah. Um, um, I mean, would... Oh, it's a really tricky question. Would you call this children's horror? Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a slippery one. Yeah, I really don't know. I've been thinking about it quite a lot because part of me says, no, this is a book, it's a time travel book mm. on, on one level, on a literal level, but it, it's largely about time and loss and reconciling these things and love versus time and it's got these quite broad existential philosophical themes and it's a kind of impressionistic um quite dreamlike novel mm. about these and and it doesn't really have outright horror sequences but then there's part of me that thinks okay what would i even compare this to and i keep thinking actually it's quite mr james like to be honest mm -hmm. um this seems like really indebted to british ghost stories mm -hmm. and <laughs> Surely, if anything is horror, a ghost story is. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I mean, I think you can definitely draw parallels with Coraline as well. Yeah. Um, let see, in the other direction of uh, all the things that I'm... I think it, it there's lots of threats of comparisons you can make to things that we've talked about before. Um, so I think there's, there's lots of aspects of children's horror. Um, and, yeah, it's it's definitely of a piece. I mean, in terms of books we've talked about before, I'd say Marianne Dreams 
Um, mm. There's some real similarities uh, in terms of the child protagonist and sticking very close to the experiences of a child protagonist and occupying this very uncertain space between waking life and dreaming life. Mm. And keeping that open and ambiguous and really not closing it down at all. Yeah. And um, I thought the character of Miss Raven was um, uh, could have come right out of like Wolves of Willoughby Chase, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, I was wondering if you would read the prologue. Um, oh, okay. Um, yeah, I, I'd be delighted to. To, to set the tone. <clears throat> okay. It is midnight that most dark and secret place. If you should chance, and why should you, to be walking there, you would be blindfolded by the night. You would hear the hooting of a lone owl from the church tower, the scuff of your own steps on the gravel. You would smell the ancient, musty scent of the yews that line the path, and the curious, cold green odour of dew on grass. You put out a hand. It gropes to find the ungiving touch of stone. The shock of it brings an uprush of fear so strong that you can almost taste it. At that moment, your fifth sense is restored. A slow silver light yawns over the garden. Shapes make themselves, statues loom. Ahead, the glass of the orangery gleams like water. You notice the shadow the moon has made at your feet, as you had never noticed a mere daytime shadow. You stand motionless, with all five senses sharp, alert as a fox. But if, by some chance, you should possess another, a sixth sense, what then? First a tingle of the spine, a sudden chill, a shudder. You are standing at a crossroads, looking up at a statue. A huge stone man seems locked in struggle with another smaller figure, that of a boy. But the presence you feel is all about you now, and with a lifting of the hairs at the nape of your neck, you are certain, certain that you are being watched. You turn slowly, half dreading what you might see, but the path before you is empty. Your gaze moves to the great, moon-washed face of the house itself. The windows are blank and shuttered, though that strange, sixth sense is insisting on hints, whispers, secrets. The scene fades, and you realise that the moon is going back behind the clouds, and then you run. And as you run through the disappearing garden, you feel that a mighty wind is blowing and voices are clamouring in that empty place. What you also hear and what you will remember ever afterwards with a shudder, even in the full light of day, is the lonely sobbing of a child. To investigate the lonely sobbing, turn to page 46. <laughs> to inspect the moon dial, turn to page 4. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. And the book doesn't use second person again. Um, yeah, it's no. just for this enigmatic prologue. Mm. I really like that starting with the senses, though, and then you know, like introducing the sixth sense. It's mm. very cool. <laughs> it's, re it's really cool. It really draws you in as well. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, so the protagonist um, of the book is Araminta, uh, known as Minty Kane, um, <laughs> which. Uh, yeah, it kind of sounds like a joke name, but that 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 is her name. Um, has um, who has always known that she has uh, senses beyond the ordinary, um, but she only starts getting sort of really strange experiences when she gets sent to stay with her aunt Mary in the shadow of a former manor house. Um, it's, it's supposed to just be a holiday, but on the way back from it, dropping Minty off in the village of Belton, her mother's car is hit and she's left in a coma. 
so Minty is uh, left with Aunt Mary, who isn't actually her aunt, but her mother's godmother, and kind of essentially a stranger to her. Can I quickly uh, read the uh, Minty's uh, experience upon hearing about her mum's accident? Mm. Um, just because I think it's a remarkable stretch of writing. Mm. Thanks. Is Kate, is your mother, There's, there's been an accident. What followed then, Minty could hardly remember. It all seemed very slow and strange. An eternity passed. And then she actually heard her own voice screaming. It went out of her and froze in the air until it was followed by another scream. And another. And as she stared, it seemed that Aunt Mary's head had swollen like a balloon and was suspended crazily in air, red and monstrous. Then Minty felt her whole body go into a violent shuddering, and now she seemed to be laughing. Hands came down heavily onto her shoulders, and she was being shaken. She was being swallowed, and fought to escape. She tugged herself free, and a sharp blow on her cheek made her gasp with shock and pain. The palm of a hand struck her other cheek, and she drew a long, juddering breath, and was silent. Mm. And it was at that point I thought, yeah, this this book has some proper uh, children's horror stones. Because, uh, yeah, I, 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 it's really horrifying. Uh, yeah, I, I find it quite upsetting, <laughs> to be honest, that bit. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't expecting her her mother to be uh, to be struck down. <laughs> As we, we'd already learned that her father was dead. So. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, well, that's that's how it goes for a, a children's novel protagonist. But then, <laughs> and her mother was <laughs> Scott as well. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, um, and and then her hearing herself screaming and screaming, and mm. then laughing maniacally, and this sensation of being swallowed until she's like being slapped across the face. Mm. I, yeah, I, 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 I like really that. Startling. <laughs> Yeah, I like that willingness to to go weird in the kind of in the sort of subjective experience of something. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really impressive about this book, and that's really early on, mm. right? Like it's quite willing to potentially disorient the reader. Like mm-hmm. uh, you know, it doesn't hold you by the hand at all. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, um, Aunt Mary sort of is kind of trying to keep her occupied, I guess, and tells her to go and talk to a man called World, um, who sort of works in, in, the, in the grounds or in the house. And when he, as soon as he sees her, he tells her that she's the one, uh, she's the one who's come to turn the key and, and free the children. And then... Um, She's keeps exploring and she finds the moon dial and I'll, I'll read the bit where where she first sees the moon dial. Minty stopped in front of the statue with icy tides washing her from head to foot. There were an old man and a young boy, both winged like angels, although she was certain that they were not. They seemed to be wrestling, struggling for possession of a bowl above their heads. And catching a glimpse of her metal beak, Minty suddenly realised what it was. A sundial, she exclaimed softly, and then, almost immediately and without knowing why, moondial. And as she spoke the word, a cold, distinct wind rushed past her and the whole garden stirred, and her ears were filled with a thousand urgent voices. She She stood swaying. She put her hands over her ears and shut her eyes tight. Um, And that's, that's kind of... Sort of what what happens when when she goes near the moon dial is there? Uh, things go strange and uh, impressionistic. And shortly after finding the moon dial, she meets um. She meets a, a, dis- a dishevelled boy who introduces himself, himself as uh, Tom, short for Edward. 
Um, and they both accuse each other of being ghosts. Um, he's uh, obviously from a previous era of the house and has a horrible racking cough, but dreams of being six foot tall and a footman. Um, Minty, in this first encounter, sees him sort of being cuffed around the head by a gardener and uh, tries to help. But as she sort of drums her fists on the kind of leather jacket of this uh, this gardener, both the, the both him and uh, and Tom disappear. I like I like the fact that the book lingers a lot on the subjectivity of ghosthood and that they are each ghosts to each other. I think often, mm. you know, ghosts are always like the other, right? And this a mysterious unknown. Whereas here, being a ghost is very much mm. in the eye of the beholder because you know, they're they're both kinda of out of time or yeah, more out of time than out of place. So out of time at different points. So you know, that they are both ghosts. A ghost is just in this telling Mm-hmm. A person or a being who is out of time, either in the yeah. future or the past. Yeah. I like that because normally you have the idea of the ghost being dead, whereas I think the sense of time in this book is that all time is almost mm. unfolding simultaneously. It's like maybe multiple. Yeah, and they. Yeah, and they, they slide into different times through the moon dial sort of around the moon dial and and like kind of minty can kind of orient herself by 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 looking at the house and and like the chimneys on it and if the if the chimneys are are um are smoking because in in her time it's it's not an inhabited house it's a, it's a show house um but but it's also oddly kind of i guess because it's preserved as a as a as a sort of museum mm. sort of thing it it's not doesn't look as distinct from 200 or 100 years ago um yeah and there are some reflections i mean it is very much a book about time and the subjective experience of time and mm. there's reflections and things like audio recording and how weird <laughs> that is that you can kind of freeze a moment and maybe the kind of wrongness or just the strangeness mm. of that yeah. photography as well um like i'm not quite sure what helen cresswell's kind of stance on time is but it seems like she seems very wary of anything that tries to tie down time. Like there's this wariness about watches and clocks as well. Um, and I, I, I like the fact that the ghosts and the hauntings, it's, they're not linear. They're not one directional. It's like Tom and Minty mm-hmm. haunt each other. You know, they're both ghosts to each other. So it, it's, it's much more yeah. reciprocal. Um, so there's this very kind of generous reciprocal circular conception of time. Like I can't quite put it into words because there's some mm. quite odd stuff going on. But um, I definitely and also found it really interesting. Minty's sort of freeing them, Tom and Sarah, somehow. We don't really know. We never really learn how how she's doing that. Was of what are are they? We we don't sort of get explicitly told that they're sort of they're trapped you know they're they're ghosts because they're you know they've been unhappy children or something it's just that well yeah because because they're not necessarily (laughs) because she goes back in time to see tom and she experiences him as a ghost in his own time (laughs) Like, so yeah. that's why it's that's very strange. Yeah. It's all quite quite peculiar. Um. And like you were saying, that, like, she has this kind of... Mm. It's got this kind of mission-based narrative mm. in the way that, say, with Coraline, 
right, Coraline has to free the ghost children. Mm. But that's quite clear, right? Okay, the Beldarm has trapped the ghost children. She's stolen their mm. souls and sewn buttons into their eyes. So she needs to collect um, these trinkets. I can't remember. She's got to collect the, the stones or whatever it is. And then she frees the children and they're released mm. from the Beldarm. Okay, that's, that's really clear, like what her objective is. And Coraline was adapted into a video game and because you know you've got clear objectives whereas like with Moondial what's really odd is that like yeah. that objective is really abstracted so the stakes do feel yeah. high it's a very tense book in places but you're never quite sure why the stakes are high because you're not really sure you know there's a sense mm. of you know sinisterness and bad things will happen but you don't, you don't yeah. really know quite exactly what yeah and <laughs> and how how exactly can she free them apart from like taking them out of their taking them out of their own time or taking them out of time <laughs> I don't know <laughs> yeah like, like yeah. where she free, where she freeing um. them to <laughs> like yeah, but th that's the interesting thing about the book mm. is like you've got to you just have to kind of go with it, like in these kind of weird metaphysical, I don't know assumptions. Like <laughs> it's hard because it makes you sound quite inarticulate trying to describe yeah. it, but it's a very odd book. Um, yeah, we, we've we've mentioned Sarah, but um, they she Minty finds Sarah. Sort of Sarah's like another kind of hundred years older than than Tom. Um and she's um she's the she's the, the singing child singing this uh this mournful song, um, Poor Mary Sits a Weeping. I, mean, I say mournful, the lyrics are mournful, the tune is actually quite jaunty. Um <laughs> Can, can you sing it at all? Because I don't... I, um, okay, I think it's... Because I, like, I genuinely don't know it. Poor Mary sits a weeping Poor Mary sits a weeping Warm summer's day Oh, thank you. That does sound quite yeah. nice. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's, there's worse times to be weeping. Um, I don't know if that's uh, that's the only tune it's ever uh, sung to, but that's what I found on YouTube. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, and this girl um, has her has her face hidden by a hood, and um, and the, the sort of the first time Minty sees her, um, she's a the girl is called away um, by a voice who accuses her of frightening away the moon. <laughs> particularly harsh. Um, and um, she sort of, when she meets Tom again, he says, he says that he's also seen her, uh, Sarah. And so she's like their, their ghost in common. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, they're less contended ghosts because she's, she's in the past to both of them. <laughs> yeah, and and she's sort of tormented by these really cruel mm -hmm. uh, neighbour children, I guess, like children of the local area, uh, kind of torment her and uh, yeah. call her a devil's. So yeah, there's devil a, there's child. a couple of separate occasions where they where they turn up in Sarah's time and um, and Sarah's being menaced. By yeah, by other children with with sacks over their heads, um, kind of calling her a devil's child, and um, and yeah, again, sort of on on Halloween by by children dressed up as uh, yeah, as devils, and that's that's sort of the climax of the, of the group, of the book there. But um, but that's kind of whenever they they come across Sarah, she's being tormented or browbeaten or scolded and repeatedly told that she's um that she's of the devil um 
and uh, and they kind of they, they sort of eventually they learn the why why this is happening. So they see her and a kind of on a midsummer day, like trying to do a ritual in a in the in a pool and kind of washing her face in this pool because she thinks that that will that will uh, cleanse her or cure her. And they see that she has a, a birthmark on on one of her cheeks, and that's the reason for all of her. Um, yeah, <laughs> for everyone's calling her a devil. Um, uh, I mean, I think there's an interesting thing um, with a sort of interesting, subtle thing with kind of uh, Minty and Tom's kind of differing reactions to this, in the of Tom being of an earlier time and being. Mm. Uh, more convinced of of devils and uh, that that she might that you know even though also kind of Tom being quite conflicted because he he is on Sarah's side but also he's he's quite frightened by the idea of devils. Um, yeah, yeah, I thought that was that was neatly done, and I I like the fact that. With both of these kind of horror climaxes, um, you have this interesting switch where the ghosts, in as much as in these sequences, Tom and Minty are the ghosts, mm. since they're the humans who are out of time and so are appearing to the people and the kids of 200 mm. years ago to be ghosts, are, you know, are sympathetic saviors, whereas the children with their sackcloth masks on are really the sources the sources of mm. horror, even though they're not supernatural at all. Yeah. So yeah, you know, the the, the kind of setup of, of kids being visited by ghosts mm. in the graveyard is completely switched round, whereas it's <laughs> it's the ghosts who are the sympathetic points of identification and these these yeah, kids yeah. who are behaving in a horrible um, way. Yeah. Uh, there's a. Have you got pictures in your edition? Yeah, because yeah, I've the picture in mine of the uh, the kids with the uh, the sackcloth masks is quite scary. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that. Um, it's quite horrible. It reminded me a bit of um, <laughs> of that deranged bit in um, in one of the Deptford Mice with the with the mouse skins. Um. Oh no! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh god, I forgot about that. That was awful. I forget. I think I've re- I've repressed quite how horrible the Deptford mice gets at times. Yeah, that that was horrific. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, if you're a listener and you're like listening to this and you're like, well, maybe this isn't horrible enough for me. Just like go back and listen to our series on them um, on the Deptford mice books, and you'll fill your boots with. Yeah, freaking um, heck. <laughs> they they really really go very far those books. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you feel like a main character's um father you know, a fatherless main character's mum getting in a car accident <laughs> isn't isn't grim enough, you know, read the freaking Deptford Nice <laughs> Where everything you know and love will be destroyed. <laughs> yeah. Um and preferably in the most gruesome way possible yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then the author will gloat about being a a mouse killer on twitter <laughs> um. <laughs> but uh so yeah i mean there is a sort of villain of sorts yes in this book yeah so we so we have miss raven who as i said really does um feel like quite a type um who maybe maybe Mm. a bit i don't know maybe a little out of place what do you think um Uh, a little although that makes her more imposing i think the fact that she does feel out of i mean actually yeah she does feel like Actually, I guess it is kind of suggested that maybe she is she is also a time traveller potentially. So, 
Yeah, she might be a time traveling ghost yeah. killer witch or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah but yeah, this is a, she. She comes to stay with Aunt Mary because uh, she's writing a book about ghosts, um, and uh, she's this uh, kind of very sort of stern, uh, um, laced up uh, kind of sort of. Child hating, yeah, child hating kind of evil governess kind of kind of figure. Um, although, yeah, she's uh, she's she's mostly off on her own pursuits, but she um she's also there to sabotage Minty. Um, well, probably because what's probably. what's so odd? Yeah, because we don't know, <laughs> like. Because the book's kept, even though it's third person, it's kept so close to Minty's perspective. Mm. You know, it might just be that Minty's really taken against yeah, her. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, There's very little evidence that actually she is doing anything harmful <laughs> apart from researching a book. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, that's, and the thing about Minty, I mean, I, you know, she's a really fun enjoyable protagonist mm. but she's very you know she takes against people or she really loves people mm-hmm. like you know if, if 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 she loves people she'll tell them she loves them and really adore them um and if she you know dislikes them she'll just be outright really rude to them <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah she she's a very um yeah she's a good protagonist she um similar some fun observations from Minty, um, particularly about uh, how adults talk to children, and like uh, when they're Aunt Mary, when he says, "You know, I'm sure there's some there's some other children, uh, you know, over over there at the house," and, and Minty's just like, "Well, why do adults always think that any any children will just get on immediately?" Like, <laughs> <and he> just, <laughs> um, yeah, I think Cresswell does a good job at kind of getting into the mindset of a child. Like, a lot of that was really convincing. Mm. Um, yeah, the other odd, the other sort of odd thing about Miss Raven is that when uh, when Tom and Minty kind of slip into Sarah's time and kind of see the uh, the, the the woman who's been uh, sort of charged with them. Um, I don't know, not looking after Sarah, but uh, keeping her contained, I guess. Uh, Minty thinks that she's uh, the spitting image of uh, of Miss Raven. But um, we we don't we don't know if that's uh, we don't don't know get any more uh, than that. <laughs> of... Well, that's the, yeah, that's mm. the thing. Like the books, Chris was very happy to keep things ambiguous. Mm. Like, which I think is what marks it out. I think that marks it out from more modern young adult fiction. Mm. Um, you know, which I do still, you know, I have a lot of time for. I think there's a lot of good stuff that comes out. But I think, and maybe it's the impact of books like, you know, The Hunger Games and the Maze Runner series and Divergent and how successful they've all been. And they're all very mission-based and objective-based. Mm-hmm. Um, that They have a lot of clarity um, in terms of how they're written, uh, but also in terms of um, just the world, I guess, and, and the world building and how things work. Mm. Whereas there's a kind of fogginess to Moondial that I don't think is very fashionable now. Yeah. Mm. Like I guess that's what I was saying mm. uh, when I said that it's impressionistic. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like, say with the hunger games you know it has many you know it has many many positive traits mm. you know I, I do like do like those books but um they're not impressionistic no. <laughs> mm. um yeah i i keep just wanting to sort of read out quotes from it because there's just so many kind of lovely <laughs> turns of phrase um and descriptions um Oh, please, please. <laughs> um, yeah, it's got like one just of the the graveyard. It says um, 
the graveyard itself was sunlit, owlless. She gazed at the headstones, barnacled and tipsy as if washed up by the tide. She walked intently as any beachcomber on the high and dry line of the shore. The little icy tongues of wind licked her face by the corner of the tower. They were a consolation, a sign that things were not as they seemed. It's like, it's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, um, and, um... Do, do... Carry on. Oh, I was just going to say, do any of these... Okay, I'm very aware. I'm, I'm very sorry about this, listeners. It's played in my mind over the last month mm. that we failed to do Texture of the Week last episode. Did we? Yeah, I had to put it in ad hoc. Like, in, in my editing, I had to, like, be like, oh, yeah, and here's the text of the week, because we didn't what? do it. What? Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Oh, we, my God. We slipped, we, go- we goofed. <laughs> we done goofed. Wow. Yeah, so I was just wondering if any, mm. any of those snippets well, you've yeah. got qualify for a, a text of the week, because I, I, I'm not missing it again for a second okay, time. Okay, all right. I couldn't forgive okay. myself. All right, shall we? Right. Yeah, um, I've got I've got a shaker. Okay. I've got some a handful of paintbrushes. Great. Okay, texture. 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 Texture of the week. Cool. That was quite jaunty, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um. I mean, I have quite a lot of contenders, uh, but the first one I wanted to mention was um, was the, the footman's lumpy calves. <laughs> oh, that's oh, fine. Oh, no. That's totally okay, well, right. you, you, you described the footman's lumpy calves then. I know, I'll, I'll, I'll something else. Well, they're, they're, they're like lumpy porridge. Yeah. <laughs> um. I, I really like that we both chose that. Right? What a horrible texture for us both, both to enjoy. <laughs> yeah, unanimous texture. Um that's yeah, a, a, um, calves like lumpy porridge. He's um, this is in uh, in Tom's time. Uh, the uh, the footman has been padding his calves cause, as after the fashion, but <laughs> but has done a poor job of it. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just brilliant. Um, yeah, the rare unanimous texture. Uh, I'll, I'll give my um. Yeah, God, that that must be like the second or third time. It doesn't no, often happen. No. Um, <laughs> but I'll um, I'll give a, an honourable mention to um, the description of uh, of Minty uh, going through like shifting between times. Um, how that how she experiences that. Um, next moment, she was reeling in a long green corridor of time. Her ears filled with the odd whispers and voices, and that strong wind blew clean and cold. She was drinking it in, and it tasted white in her mouth. She was swimming in it like a fish. Um, yeah. Is it? It's just so strange. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's strange and it's simple. Uh, it's just really striking. Um, yeah, I just really like the writing in this. Um, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I definitely think in terms of, you know, readers' tastes, like if you're more interested in well-crafted sentences and atmosphere than you are in conventional plotting then you really should read yeah. this um, <laughs> because because it is quite relentless in terms of the quality of the writing mm. like yeah there's just so many lovely descriptions yeah yeah um, um yeah i also in terms of Bits to read out. I, I highlighted. Maybe you could read this. Um, uh, the kind of minty sort of thinking about the philosophy of of um, of the moon dial. Yes. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, that is really really interesting. That um, bit. I don't know what page is it on uh, for it you. It starts at the if... bottom of one hundred and thirteen. So then a thought came to her so clearly, mm-hmm. that bit. Then a thought came to her so clearly that it was as if a voice spoke. What happened to time? 
when the moon shines on a sundial. With the question came a cold, distinct draught of air. She had been posed a riddle. Thank you, she whispered and accepted it. And she walked on while her mind reeled with the enormity of the question. Moon dial, measuring a different time. Moon dial, free from the slow, relentless march of the sun, the trickle of the sand in the glass, the minute-by-minute minute ticking of clocks. Moon dial, freewheeling, measuring the real time of hearts and lives and linking them across centuries. Moon time. It's just really interesting, um, the, the idea of this um, other kind of time and that it's sort of come to her, um, or maybe the moon dial itself has posed it, has presented itself to her and she's realising, like discovering a whole new different form of time yeah I don't know it's uh, um, it's weird and cool <laughs> yeah, it is weird and cool it's quite revelatory yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it's so easy to get bound to this rational clock time um, and to think that that is time and forget how weird time is mm. um I, I remember when I was doing my PhD and reading about Czech communism, being really caught by the idea of charismatic time. Mm -hmm. And that under Stalinism, there's this notion that with the five-year plans, that the five-year plans could be compressed into four years. And it's like, it's not just about the workers being really fast and efficient. It was like, no, the workers were meant to be so imbued with the spirit of communism <laughs> that they would literally compress time. <laughs> Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the will of the worker was greater than the clock. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is wild, mm. but it's, it's quite, it's quite, yeah, it's quite a kind of boggling idea if you decide, <laughs> right, I'm going to try to take this seriously. Yeah, <laughs> mm. yeah I, I read a lot of um, Henri Lefebvre. Or Lefebvre. I, I don't read. Really, I'm not very good at. I often read things, and then I don't know how you're meant to pronounce. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm sorry for you doing the transcription there. <laughs> Future N. Um, but 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 yeah, who talks a lot about um, the idea of rhythms, right? And everything having its own time. Um, mm. And definitely when you look at the natural world, or what we call the natural world, it sort of starts to make a bit of sense. So, you know, you can look at a tree and say, OK, well, I could see how maybe the the budding, you know, the budding of the, of the flowers has its own times. And maybe the roots in the soil have their own time. Mm. And and the clouds have their own time. Um, it, it's so hard to kind of get outside of like the human experience of time mm -hmm. and like decouple yourself from that um but um i think the book does a pretty good job to be fair <laughs> yeah um and it, it links cats to moon time um explicitly that's uh um cats living on in this different form of time um, which is another link to Coraline, actually yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's quite a Neil Gaiman-y mm. thing, the idea of cats being of a kind of different dimension on some yeah. level. <laughs> um, so, yeah, th there is, um, you know, some plot happens at the end, you know. Um, Tom and uh, Minty, you know, after seeing how Sarah's being treated, you know, agree that they they need to rescue her, Um we learn that Tom isn't actually isn't actually called Tom. Is actually uh, 
Teddy, yeah. His name is actually Edward. He's from Teddy Larkin. And, um, but all the kitchen boys in the house are called Tom as a, as a shorthand. Um, um, they, um, this is where it's Halloween and sort of, and Sarah tries to do her kind of face cleansing ritual again, but, um, she's surrounded by these masked figures who chant devil's child at her, but, um, and Tom and Sarah scare them off and, uh, Minty uses a, has a talisman, which is a mirror, and she sort of coaxes Sarah to look at her in reflection and realise um, that she's beautiful. She's not, she's not a devil's child. Um, and when uh, Miss Vol, uh, the, uh, Sarah's captor, comes tearing up the path after them, uh, Minty lifts up the mirror and says, "Where the devil? Where the evil eye?" And sort of everything kind of collapses into a sort of dreamlike state, where Miss Vole kind of dissolves into a crumple of black clothes, and and we sort of see and Tom, uh, Tom or Teddy and Sarah and uh, Tom's sister, little sister Dory, who he keeps talking about. Kind of running away, kind of arm in arm into the mist. Um, Heaven knows how they did that in the TV adaptation. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see because I think we we should. Uh, yeah, we will talk about it at some point when uh, we can um, find uh, get get our hands on it. Um, yeah, when when we can legally source it at a cheap yeah, price. Yeah, that 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 is the that's the goal. Um, is sort of one of those weirdly expensive DVDs, um, but uh, yeah, um, and sort of du- du- the thing we haven't mentioned is that during this, um, as this has been going on, Minty has been recording tapes uh, for her mother in hospital, so who's still in a coma, but she's you know got a, a cassette player and headphones, and uh, she's instructed the nurse to to let her mother sort of listen to these tapes to to um, to hear Minty's voice and, and and at the end of Kate comes round and um, and 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 Minty goes to see the moondial for the last time and um she finds the tiny tiny headstone in the graveyard it's just marked EL and uh, realizes that it was Tom's <laughs> and um, that's where we end. Um, the, the last two, uh, the last two words of the book are uh, full circle, um, which uh, does does say something about yeah the uh, the odd. <clears throat> uh, circularity of time in this in this book yeah and and the moon dial itself is a kind of allegorical sculpture mm. of um i think it's eros like cupid mm. and is it chronos yeah, yeah time uh wrestling um so it's sort of allegorical depiction of time and love wrestling mm. and um minty declares that she's on the side of love mm. over time <laughs> mm. which you know sounds like the kind of topic for a kind of 80s power ballad <laughs> really but you know it's, it's quite an abstract an abstract theme yeah but the, the, the novel takes very seriously mm. I think, yeah. <laughs> like love, love overcoming time. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's um, it's a yeah, a very thoughtful book. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I I would argue that's pretty much the central theme of Twin Peaks: The Return. <laughs> yeah. For all of you David Lynch fans out there, so uh, <laughs> the fact that 
a 1980s children's book is is dealing with the same heady <laughs> metaphysical themes as uh, David Lynch's sort of swan song magnum. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely says something about how ambitious this book is. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I guess we'll see once we... Uh, um... Once we, when we watch the TV series, how much of the sort of philosophy of it is uh, is present in that, and uh, if it is, if it or if it becomes more of a straightforward yeah. romp, ghost ghost romp. I mean, I feel like it must do, but it'll be it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see, mm. and it does make me want to read more Helen Creswell. Mm. Yeah, because um, it is it's a really interesting book. Yeah. Um. And yeah, not the kind of thing that I think really gets published anymore. Yeah. I haven't, yeah, I haven't seen anything like it um, in children's children's books. Um, yeah, which I think we've mentioned a few times of sort of uh, when we've when we've read sort of older books of uh, uh they are they yeah they're more more slow and meandering and um atmospheric and uh, than modern ones yeah yeah i mean i do i do enjoy that myself although i will admit that i think as a child, this would have probably been a bit lost on me. <laughs> I don't know what I would have made it. I think I would have like just been confused by it, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I don't. Uh, what about do you? Re- yeah, do you reckon you would have liked it as a kid? Um. I I really don't know. Um. I think I'd have um I think I'd have enjoyed elements of it, like I think um Tom's a pretty memorable character and, and Minty's yeah. the they're they're good characters to latch onto, but uh I, yeah, I don't know if I'd have just been mystified by the <laughs> uh, I mean I actually I feel like I feel like the stuff with Sarah if you I feel like if you read that as a kid, that's the kind of thing that would stick in your head of of this child being being mistreated and called a, a monster and a devil's child. Mm. Yeah. I think that'd be pretty haunted. That's true. That'd be pretty haunting. Yeah, that is true actually. I agree with that. Um but yeah, um I don't wanna just delay the, the end of the episode because I have not thought of a sign off at all. <laughs> um Yeah, I've got um, Got no, 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 nothing here. Well, um, um, so uh, oh god, it's been so long. I've, I've forgotten how to do the outro. <laughs> well, that, 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 that's that's good. It, it'll take <laughs> you longer, and so I've got longer to try to think of a, a sign off. Um, so yeah, thank you for listening. Um, uh, we are sort of still on on Twitter as long as Twitter lasts, I guess. Um, kind of on Instagram I don't know I don't know if I want to be on Instagram at all even personally um, let alone <laughs> as a podcast so mm, don't know uh, we do have an email that is uh, stillscaredpodcast at gmail.com and we do check it sometimes so yeah like it's, it's not our fault the social media is a bad yeah. thing yeah. I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and in fact you know have if you send us an email, I might might not get back to you very swiftly, but we will appreciate it when we do read it, and it's not like a weird spam. So that's that's mm, that's, that's my promise. That is a promise. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, our intro is by Maki Yamazaki. Uh, uh, outro is by Joe Kelly. Artworks by Letty Wilson. Um, and you can, if you wish, write a review or rate us on Apple Podcasts or whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, was that unreasonably sassy? Um, 
Yeah, I just enjoy it. <laughs> um, I'm trying to buy you some more time. Um... I, no, it's it's it's, it's fine. Um, yeah, you know, not not every sign off needs to be witty or funny. Um, so no, th- this time I, it just I, I, needs I just... to be beautiful and elegaic. Oh, great. <laughs> okay, well, I'll say. Sleep well, creepy kids, and uh, keep the time of your hearts by the moon dial. Yes, very good. Thank you, Ed. And yeah, we'll, we'll pretend that's Steve. <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> uh. <laughs>